Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. Hey. uh, So today we have kind of an interesting, I don't know, divergence from our usual thing in which we don't just have one topic. We have several topics. Yeah, we're going to we're going to take some listener questions. We often ask for them and you guys email us and you post on Facebook. And I think what we realized, Megan, is some of the awesome questions we get might not warrant, we don't have enough to say about it for a full episode, or we just aren't going to get to it for a while. So we decided to answer a few listener questions today in a mixed bag. Yeah, and I've not taken very much time to look at these questions, so um, my answers will not be prepared. Let's be honest. When you guys listen to us, it is like you're sitting on the park bench with yeah. us, watching our kids roll around in the dirt, and just we're just off the cuff most of the time. Sarah usually throws together like a little organized document and about five minutes before the show, I might take a look at it. And then by the time we get on, I've usually forgotten. But I think maybe that's part of our appeal. (laughs) We're just, we are not rehearsed. We are not rehearsed. We are saying the first thing that comes to mind. Exactly. Um, So real quick before we get going and also do our regular weekly segment, um, I wanted to point people to our website to sign up for our email list if you haven't. Um, I'm going to be starting to hopefully build that email list a little bit and also include some kind of special or exclusive things every once in a while that we can send to you either an audio download or, you know, an article or a list of great podcasts that we love. So we're kind of going to be brainstorming that. And um, I won't promise it anything in the next few days. But if you get signed up for that email list, number one, you'll get an email every time a new episode publishes. Um, So that's convenient. Um, But number two, we're going to be kind of offering some maybe more listener exclusive stuff um, through that down the road. So you can do that at themomhour.com. It's right in our sidebar and at the end of every Um, episodes, show notes, just sign up. We won't spam you. We won't even really email you that often. So we would love to see your name there as well. Yeah, sounds great. I love email, by the way. Yeah. Email is one of my very favorite ways to communicate. I know that's not like really popular these days. No, but there's this thing where we're all supposed to hate it and resent it, but I like it. Well, good emails are good. I mean, I like receiving good emails and social media, as much as we love it, is not always reliable to reach out to you guys. So um, so many of you email us, um, and this way, if you're on our email list, we can always keep you guys informed. Yeah. So, so Megan, what is happening in your house this week? Oh, is, is this our, our segment? Our, our regular <laughs> segment. Well, um, I, know, I know you're planning on talking about a sport, and it's just kind yeah. of funny because you're talking about what it, in our town would be a summer sport. Um, <laughs> oh, and, it's summer here. Yeah, and William... Um, actually had ski club this week and fell oh, down yeah. and hit his head on something. It was like one of those, you know, oh, no. it, it was fine. It, he, he actually thought it was kind of cool because 
it's kind of a badge of honor that he totally wiped out. And but it's just funny to me that you know, it's snow. We had a snow day this week. Wow. Oh, you did. Yeah, we had a snow day. So how does yesterday. ski club work in? You don't have mountains, really, do you? Do you have well, hills? no, but we have hills. Okay. And it's you know, it's it, it's he and his buddy have been talking a big game, and then you know, talking about how great they are, and then it turns out. I overheard him saying, and this week we even got off the bunny hills. <laughs> so they've been sort of portraying themselves as being, you know, kind of these superstars. And um, I think they've been kind of just hanging out on the, like the baby hill. I mean, we've got like a ski hill. It's not huge. Okay. You know, it's not going to be like what you see out in Utah or something. But So but, this is know, an extracurricular, is it like an after school? It's like an after school club. Yeah. And a lot of the kids do it. They just get on the bus, middle school thing. Go on the okay. bus and go ski for a few hours after school. So... There was that on Monday night, and then on Wednesday, it was kind of funny because um, John and I ended up going to happy hour with some friends of ours, and then we got the call that school was was off. Oh. So we were all so excited. It's just so funny. We were hanging out with this um, younger woman who doesn't have any kids and was also isn't from this town. She has just moved here not, not too long okay. ago. And like watching us all, like this <laughs> cheer went up around the table. We're like, yeah, snow day. Okay. She's looking at us like we're crazy, but we all love it because I mean, most of my friends are either teachers or are self-employed. Right. And a lot of the businesses around here don't make you come in on a snow day. It's just okay. that small town, small town thing, yeah. right? So um, like everyone kind of gets to sleep in a little bit the next day. So it ended up just kind of turning into a longer evening of fun and it was just it was pretty fun we all went back to their house and hung out with the kids and is that your first snow day this year we had one other one okay because last year was the year of like two years oh two years years in a row well two we had two years in a row where there was just an insane of snow days yes last year and the year before so this year this is only the second one and the other one got called like at six o'clock in the morning which is nice but there's not the same excitement right you don't get the jubilee of the evening before yeah exactly so that's kind of how our week went fun a little disorganized but that's okay uh, always a little bit somewhere. Um, well, yeah, we are not in winter weather. I mentioned that on last week's podcast, and I'm still waiting for my hate mail for complaining about Southern California winter weather. But it is still really summery here, and Little League is underway. So um, let's see. We've had a couple of practices. So Reed is five and a half, and he's in Coach Pitch Little League this year. So no more tea. They bring out the tea if they can't get a hit in the first few coach pitches, which is cute. So it's still, you know, everybody still gets to advance to first base. But um, I don't know. I kind of have a love-hate with this. They're so dang cute in their little uniforms. It's very sweet. We have a really good team of families, and we've become friends with everyone. That's really the only reason why I'm doing it. I don't have, you know, (laughs) pro ball hopes for my five-year-old. And Little League is very intense here. I think I've mentioned it before, and you've talked about kind of football, high school football in your town is pretty big. Southern California produces a lot of baseball players, and Little League, our town, is really into Little League. It doesn't get super serious until they're a little older, but I feel like it trickles down. It just feels like a very intense atmosphere, and that's not really my jam usually, but I'm just trying to look at it as we're having fun right now. We really like the people on our team, so the, the intense people can stay intense, and I don't need to let it bug me. But um, one funny thing that I texted you about when we were at our opening day ceremonies, other than the fact that it's February, it was like February 20th and we were in 80 degree opening day weather, um, was that I asked you via text, I said, Megan, are all the little little leaguers in your town wearing their hats with the brims completely flat? Like they just came off the assembly line instead of the curved brim. And so you and I had sort of a lengthy discussion about this trend. <laughs> this is what we talk about. <laughs> this is so important. Very important things that important, we talk about. Important, you know, cultural observations, yes. Midwest versus West Coast. Um, and I felt like all of a sudden, the little boys, half the dads, everyone has these flat brim hats. And I have to admit, I was a little like, get off my lawn, like old lady about it. Like yeah. what, it looked kind of like. I don't know. Weird. But well, to me, there's this trend to me, is there's rampant that, in your yeah. head. Let me know, people. Well, Go I ahead, bet sorry. it's going to trickle in is what I was going to say. Like, so yeah. for us and here, I, I definitely have seen the random person with a flat brim hat. Um, yeah. I always associate that kind of with like Vanilla Ice circa the Surreal Life show. Do you remember that show? It was on VH1. No, and but kind of, Like yeah. he was on it with Tammy Faye Baker and they were like all putting this house together. It was kind of like the real, the real world, but it was all okay. like kind of washed up celebrities. This is like mid-90s maybe? This or... was early 2000s. Oh, okay. I kind of associate the flat brimmed hat thing with that 
era okay. and that sort of aesthetic. Right. To use that word. So I'm. It, it's interesting to me that now it's kind of a preppy thing. That has not really taken a, a hold here yet. But you know what, Sarah? Our little league um, season doesn't start for another couple of months. Yes. I know. So this we will report back, people, yes. on whether the flat. And I don't love it either. I have to. Yeah, say. I, I just like to wear. I like to wear hats the way they. You know, just like a hat. The way, the, the way, way you wear a hat, like it's just like a hat. I don't know. I don't like the super cur. You know, remember the '90s, very, very yes. curvy. That's out. Yeah. I don't want yeah. that to come back. That always made right. my head look weird. Right. Um, and I don't want, but I don't want the flat. I just want like normal. I just want a hat. Just I know, and these hat. the little tiny guys are so little, and then it looks, yeah, it does look a little like, like they're trying to be way too cool, and they're like five, and then yeah. half the coaches and the dads. It was very. Brian and I were like, "What is happening?" Yeah. So anyway, if any of you have thoughts about flat brim hats in little league, let me know. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes, and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at VionicShoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. No, the other thing happening in my house is I'm really excited. So when this airs, um, I will have just had a piece go up at the Washington Post, which is my second time being published there. And I am like few and far between in my freelance articles these days. Like I I put out very little. So I get pretty excited when I do. And um, I would love for listeners who, you know, haven't followed my writing or seen my articles to go check it out. I think we've talked a lot about siblings lately, and it's a piece I wrote about um, kind of addressing the arg- the bickering politicians as if they are our bickering children. Oh, so it's a little bit funny, but it's a little bit serious um, because I just feel like there's a lot of adults yelling at each other on TV who are acting more childish than my bickering children. So it's kind of a fun piece. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes and I'm just excited to be published there. I really think they do a good job with their parenting pieces. You and I have both written for Washington yeah. Post. Their blog is called On Parenting. So yeah, that was totally a self plug. Well, that's that's what this, this, this whole show is about. Right. <laughs> I can plug whatever. It's I basically want. just about our own self uh, yeah. gratification and, and promotion. Uh, <laughs> kidding. It's not what it's about at all. Should we get into the questions then? Then we Let's can do. try to use our own self 
interest to help other people help potentially people. <laughs> yeah. help people okay so um should we do the first one yeah go for it awesome so this question came um by email from janet moore um and this is a fun topic this is she wants to know about room sharing um she, i'll just paraphrase she has two daughters ages six and almost three and a third baby on the way um, she says they have enough space for everybody to have their own room, but she grew up in a family that had siblings share rooms, and she thinks it would be really fun for her girls, so she wants them to experience that with the baby coming. Um, but she, her question is, she said, I love your input on logistics. You know, sleep is a priority, how to make room sharing work, um, you know, just, yeah, the logistics, especially when they're at that ages. So What, what, what ages are they again? Um, they are six and almost three, and the okay. third baby is on the way. Okay. So. Yeah. So let's talk room sharing. You and I have both done it, but you way more than me at different ages. Well, it's so funny because I'm thinking about all the different ages and stages where my kids have shared um, rooms and it's been so all over the place. And sometimes we'll do it for a while and then have to kind of separate them out again into Mm -hmm. different groups, especially if one doesn't sleep well. So like I've always, you know, if we had like a two-year-old who didn't sleep well and then you've got him in with the four-year-old or the five-year-old, it never really seemed fair, especially because often the the five or, you know, four or five or six year old would have school or take or mm-hmm. some preschool or something the next day um, and didn't have the flexibility and maybe couldn't even get a nap. So it was it was a lot of that kind of balancing. Mm-hmm. I think you just don't know till you try, though. That's yeah. the thing. You don't yeah. know till you put a particular combination of kids together and see what happens. Well, whether or not it's going to work. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think sometimes we get shell shocked from how difficult sleep is in the first couple years that I know I'm guilty of assuming that my kids will wake up at the drop of a pin, which is completely my own PTSD about having babies who didn't sleep very well. Um, So like you said, you don't know until you try. And even a kid who hasn't been a phenomenal sleeper reaching age two and a half, three may, may just kind of be starting to be ready to sleep more consistently through the night or sleep more soundly. Um, And, you know, I think sometimes it's our worry that they're going to wake up as opposed to the reality of whether they will. I have of my two older kids, um, one is a lighter sleeper and will, will kind of, Allegra will wake up at little sounds, but she goes right back to sleep. And then Reed will sleep through anything, smoke alarms, like anything. Um, So I agree. I don't think you really know until you try. And of course we understand sleep being a priority, Um, but maybe sometimes the kids are more ready for it than you think because you've never tried, I guess. I've also used room sharing as a strategy for little kids who don't sleep well on their own Mm -hmm. because it's always, I've I've found they're comforted by having a a sibling in the bedroom and, Mm -hmm. you know, the whispering and stuff that goes on at night, you might, sometimes you might have to kind of uh, really babysit them for a little while, you know, to kind of really monitor that at bedtime to make sure it doesn't become a problem. But now Mm -hmm. my kids, you know, I mean, they're older now, but like even it didn't take that long for them to get in the habit of just getting in bed and going to sleep. It was just kind of setting up that expectation at the beginning um, and having that and then having that work out. As far as things like toys and stuff, that has really never been a problem for us. And I guess maybe it's because we've often kept the majority of toys out of the kids' bedrooms anyway. That's That's, big. That's a big thing. My kids just don't have that much stuff. So there's not really like this fight over whose stuff is what, you know, yeah. or whose stuff is in whose space. I think especially with the age gap, maybe it's easier just to keep the smaller kids' stuff elsewhere mm-hmm. so it doesn't get spread all over the place. And they have to be old enough to understand not to get into their siblings' things. Right, um, right. It's all, you know, I, I hate to use the phrase a teaching. It's a teachable moment. But yeah. It is a very teachable experience. It can learn a lot about, I agree. you know, about all those things while it's sharing. I agree. I'm thinking about um, one thing that's actually easier, I think, and with the ages of Janet's kids, I think this could work, um, is that I think the bedtime routine, if you sync it up, if they're close enough in age, especially with adding the third baby, I know we had really like golden months and years of room sharing where we put the oldest two to bed, it was easier to put them to bed together because they were sharing a room. Does that make sense? Right, like yeah. You're not one didn't jog need to back be and forth and all that. Like red stories in the chair in the other room, you know. Right. And actually, we had years of reading to them together, which was a fun stage of books because they were um, same ages. I think they're a little closer maybe than Janet's kids. So they were five and almost three, you know, five and three. Yeah. And we found a lot of 
books. We were able to find books that they enjoyed together, and we kind of started a ritual of reading to them together that might not have, we might still have kind of tried to do the thing, okay, you go put this kid to bed, or you do this, and um, so it forced that issue, and I think that actually was, it streamlined bedtime, honestly, because we had a new baby. Oh, absolutely. So that was one good thing. Um, Back to a couple other logistics, I I agree with toys. Our toys were definitely in this loft area in that house, because our bedrooms were very small. So they had bunk beds um, and very few toys in that room. But I remember really feeling challenged with clothes. I wanted the five-year-old to be able to kind of get dressed on her own for the most part. I I felt like they had a lot of clothes. And my kids don't have a ton of clothes, but I did feel like in this small room, that was one of the logistically more difficult part. I'd been used to having like one dresser per kid per room up until that point. So we, you know, we got creative with some like bins and baskets for socks and underwear. And it wasn't the, you know, the classic, like, here's your dresser, your top drawer is shirts, your next drawer is pants. I had to kind of get creative. Um, And also with closet, because I mean, it was a bedroom with a normal closet with sliding doors and hanging, a lot of hanging space. But with three and five year olds, you don't hang a lot of their clothes other than a few party dresses, you know, for the girl. So I think that's what we did. I remember we put a, a short little mini dresser inside the closet, and that was the one for like socks and underwear because it was it fit under the hanging bar. And anyway, so there's all those kinds of those are just some more like logistical thoughts. I remember clothing being kind of a challenge. I want to say for us when our kids were smaller and sharing rooms, that was when we were really heavily into the everyone's living out of a laundry basket phase, which in our house lasted. <laughs> yeah. It lasted a while, like several years. And whoever the smallest kid was at the time, I would usually just keep their laundry basket in my room because I thought, what's the point right. of putting it in their room? Right. Um, I'm probably going to get them ready in the morning right. downstairs. And, you know, so it just made more sense for them to just keep it close to me than right. to have it in their room. So that was, you know, I, to- I totally took the, like, the ultimate lazy way out, yeah. <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. Um, one question I had, and I don't know if Janet made this clear, does she planning on having the baby share a room as well or is that... No. So okay. it sounds like it's the older two, the older two. Um, with, with, for those two to um, share. Yeah. Uh, because, and I think the, the other thing that might happen after a couple of years, you know, the baby, you know, maybe will, it'll be easier for the baby to have his or her own space for a while or be in with mom and dad or however their situation is going to work out. And then when the baby is, you know, approaching two and a half, three, that might be when you move the two youngers together right. and get the, yeah. give the older one their own space. Yes. I mean, it, it yes. really – but, you know, I regularly – hear, and I've said this on the show before. I regularly hear my boys, all four of them, talking about how they want to just move all of their bedrooms, all of their beds into one room. So cute. And, like, use – and then they have all these ideas for the other rooms, like how they Right. Well, them. it does – it opens up. And I love that Janet said that, that they technically have enough bedrooms, but this is a conscious choice right. for her. I know a lot of people ask me about um, boy-girl room sharing, and I remember being kind of surprised by that because they were so little. Right. Um, and obviously, there would become a time where privacy and wanting, you know, same-sex kids to be in the same room and maybe not have a boy-girl sharing. But I just right. felt like – that was a long way away for me. Yeah, and I, I feel was like surprised that's not... at how many people wondered if I thought that was an issue, and I was like, "Oh, I hadn't even thought about it." Um, to me, that is not a thing until yeah, until they get old enough where they have modesty and where it's Wait, a, yeah, it's quite a, a bit, quite a bit later. Especially um, given the, the age differences and stuff, I, I just feel like you know they're not going to be in that same place at the same time, so you have time to figure it out. Right, exactly. Um, one more little like logistical tip I just remembered, and then maybe we'll should probably move and on. And then but, I actually um, I have one more too. Okay, so. perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, is we got these great little ledge shelves from IKEA that fit even. I, I guess I'm I'm picturing bunk beds as if everyone who shares has bunk beds, but if you do have bunk beds or even just bedside arrangements. The little lead shelves that can hold a few picture books, they look pretty for decorations, but actually each kid, so there was one up top on the top bunk, a legger could have some books kind of stacked flat, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. where the books lean against yep. the wall, and then a clip-on reading light for each bunk bed, and that would work whether it's two twins or so that they were each able to turn on and off their own light, and that light didn't like flood the whole room, um, oh, and then okay. also to have a little kind of personal space for a water bottle or books or whatever, and even though they were really little... I think that was helpful and it felt, it made it feel like, okay, here's where my, you know, books here's, and they didn't have to get out of bed to go look at a book or whatever. So those were good. I can actually link to the lights we have from Ikea. They're fantastic. And they're like $6. 
Um, so my, my one tip that I have, and, and this is especially, I think this was more important to us as our kids got older. Um, we've got kids who are super extroverts and we've got a couple who are much more introverted. And one thing that we did do in the room that we didn't end up using as a child's bedroom because it just got repurposed. We had a couple actually, um, because there were these rooms that we thought were going to be kids rooms that they just never went into. <laughs> so we ended up kind of repurposing them and one was a toy room and one was sort right. of a guest room, but we always made sure we had another room with like a bed or a hangout spot. And so mm-hmm. the kids who just needed a break had a place to go. So yeah. it's not even, and sometimes they would sleep in there, but it wasn't right. like their bedroom. They didn't have to stay right. in there. They could be in with their, I'm thinking of Isaac in particular mm-hmm. um, when he was like seven, eight, nine years old. I remember him spending a lot of time in our guest room, just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out, reading. Sometimes he'd go in there to sleep if he was just annoyed with everybody. Right. Um, it gave him another space without feeling like he wasn't in with his right. with his brothers. So, yeah. you know, I think it's nice to always make sure you have private space for yeah. kids who are bed, bed sharers uh, or bedroom sharers, even if they don't actually use it as a bedroom. Right, right. And that doesn't yep. have to be a full-on guest room with a bed. It could be like a little nook with a chair or whatever, you know, it right. just worked out that way for us. So. Right, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Great idea. Well, Janet, thanks for the question. Yeah, thank you, Janet. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, again, my kids were just that age, and I had a third one on the way, so I very much relate so, um, okay, moving on. So we have a question from Morgan Branson that we got by email. This came in a while ago. So Morgan, I hope you're still listening Sorry and thank you for that, your Morgan. patience. <laughs> um, so she wants to know about, I like how she worded it, the evolution of play dates. And I think she means the evolution in as our kids get older, as in, did you do them when the kids are younger? Do you do them um, now? Yeah. And she's talking about, I won't read her whole email, but she's talking about the kind of play dates, the little, the baby and toddler play dates where you're getting a bunch of moms together, chit-chatting among moms and having a scheduled time to let the kids play. Her, her concern or her question is that when her babies were little, she loved it for the time to connect with other moms. Her kids are a little bit older. There's nap schedules and the play dates are more chaotic. So it kind of feels stressful to drag the kids to like now it's like, you know, a bunch of thundering toddlers and preschools running around and it's not quite as it's not fulfilling her to quite the same degree. Right. Um, so she's more just curious how that worked for us um, and yeah, how that evolved, the evolution of playdate. So um, I thought that was a great question. Yeah, it is. And it's so I hate the word playdate. Have we talked about yes. how much I hate the word playdate? I don't know. I do. I just hate it. Anyway, <laughs> I don't think I mean, the word bothers me. It's the, it's what it means. It's the connotation. Yeah. Um, but yes. Like, because does it, does it, I, I, I mean, let's explore that, Megan. Why does it, does it make it seem like it's mommy sitting around like eating bonbons and what? It, something like- about it just sounds really trite to me. Okay. I, I just think it's one of those things like, oh, let's have a play date. And when it, really what we're asking is let's get the kids together to play, which right. is different than what. Uh, Morgan's talking about where, yeah. you know, it's moms getting together to hang out. Well, I'm sorry if it's moms getting together to hang out, then that's legitimate too. Moms right. can get, just get together to hang out right. and their kids can happen to be along. It doesn't all have to be so kid focused all the time. Yeah. And when it is kid focused, it doesn't have to be so like, I don't know, contrived. That's right. I don't know. I don't like the word. Sorry. Okay. No, I, I hear you. <laughs> but, but I will definitely, I mean, I know that's what everyone, it's not nothing against Morgan. I know that's what right. everyone says. Like play date is the word everyone uses. So, um, when my two biggest kids were old, were little, I did a lot of that kind of thing, hanging out with other moms, often moms I didn't know super well, mm-hmm. but who happened to be like on an email list I was in or, right. you know, in a, in a group someone had put together and it was fine. It was that time it, I had to weigh, like, it was a cost benefit thing. Like every mm-hmm. time I would be invited to one, I would think, well, I'm maybe not going to have the most amazing time of my life. However, it beats sitting around the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And being alone, you know, so that was, and, and from the, those play dates, a few like strong friendships did develop, which turned into more of that casual yeah. hanging out kind of thing that I was really more, it really just suits my personality more. Um, I have to say by the time it was like Will and Owen, I remember for a while I was being in- invited to one at the local Dairy Queen. Our, I, we've talked about this. Our Dairy Queen has like an indoor playland with yes. a bunch of yes. weird <laughs> fruit and ice cream you can climb on. And they had this one there where all, while while the older kids were in kindergarten, um, all the moms from that kindergarten would bring their preschoolers. It just was okay. one of those classes where, like, every kindergarten yeah. mom also happened to have a, a preschooler. Yeah. And I also had a baby. Um, Clara was – well, I was pregnant for some of it, then she was a newborn for some of it. And it was complete and utter chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't 
I'm not going to say I didn't like the other moms there. I never really felt like I could connect with them very well mm-hmm. because it was so chaotic and mm-hmm. there were just kids like beating each other up, but I didn't know the mom well enough mm-hmm. to really mm-hmm. step in. It just was not fun. And one day I remember, and we had just moved to town, so I felt like that was my in, you know, yeah, to get like you should. William and Owen some yeah. friends. I should. And then one day I remember thinking, this isn't even fun. Oh, no. Yeah. One time my brother, who was a stay-at-home dad, I took him and I was like, you're going to this thing with me. So we went <clears throat> and afterwards he's like, that was, in, what, are you, what are you doing? Why are you going to that? And I was like, well, I don't know. He said, that was torture. <laughs> I said, oh my God, he's right. I don't have to go. Like there's right. no, there's no rule that I have to go to this right. thing. So I just stopped. I just stopped going. And you know what? My kids still had friends and yeah. I didn't ever mourn the day right. that I didn't get to go to that play date, which was really, it was like a group. It was like a big right. play group or whatever, but right. I just, that I think might've been the it for me. Now my play dates are more like you want to drop your kid off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and Morgan maybe isn't there yet, but right. that doesn't mean she has to do something that she doesn't find enjoyable in the, in the meantime. Right. Right. Well, and I think that's exactly where she is. She's at the point where she's realizing, um, number one, it's logistically harder. I think because of their schedule and having kids of different ages and schedules and stuff. And so it's logistically more difficult, but also not as fun or more hassle right. than it's worth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can relate a lot. I mean, I've talked on this show before that I kind of got lucky and got it, got a little group of people I met at a mom's group. It started as an organized new mom's group, but we quickly like had our own little posse of about five or six moms and babies. Um, and that worked for a long time, but I relate to what Morgan's saying about them getting a little bit more chaotic and less fun for the moms as the kids get older. A couple of strategies we used, um, Number one, move it outside whenever you can. So meet at a park instead of someone's house. I mean, I I just used to feel really stressed about picking up my house, even though I knew these were my good friends. I knew the kids were going to trash it. Hosting still felt a little kind of stressful. And we used to kind of rotate who hosted. And as the kids get bigger, they're even the sweet kids that you love of your friends. They're running around wrecking your house. Like they're just big and there's a lot of them and it did start to feel that way. So moving it like meeting at a park or an indoor play place as often as possible, I think works. Um, and then also taking the focus again, not so much on the kids, but having a mom's night out. Actually that phrase I like even less than play dates is mom's night out. But but having the kids going out in the evening one time, if you can arrange childcare or have your spouse home um, and get what you really are wanting, which is the connection with other moms (laughs) without the kids. It's, It's easy when they're babies and they're rolling around crawling on the floor, you can finish a conversation. But it's very different if they're two and four running around, you know? Yeah. So we used to do that a lot more, um, as the kids got older. So move it outside, do it in the evening. If it, if that really is the connection. And then just to echo what you said, if it isn't fun, don't do it. Like don't do it for the kids because you think you should, or because it's out of some other kind of sense of obligation. The kids will be fine. Um, they will, you know, they're the way that they socialize and make friends happens in so many different ways. That's that, what I was going to say. They have so many, a child nowadays yeah. has so many opportunities and even, you know, if they're not social being quote unquote socialized at a year right. and a half or two years old, I mean, they're being socialized because they're hanging out with you. Right. You know, that's their, yes. that's how they're learning about the world. Now when they're three Amen. and go to preschool yeah. or four and go to preschool, that's when they start to branch out, but they don't right. need like a whole bunch of buddies their own age as toddlers. Right. It's just, right. I feel like that's something that's gotten blown so far out of proportion right. today. Like this importance of surrounding a two-year-old with a bunch of two-year-olds. Right. Well, they don't learn how to be adults by waiting out two-year-olds, right. you know, right. Right. Which are, you know, functional members of society. So yeah, it sounds um, so simple, but if you do what feel what feels fun and fulfilling to you, yeah. the kids will be fine. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. 
Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Um, and then I, one last thing for me, at least, I think is my last thing on this one is um, I am often not an organizer at first. Like I'll sit back and I'll let somebody else say, hey, let's do this with the kids. But every once in a while when I realize like, wait, this is not working the way I want, um, it occurs to me like, well, why don't I make it work the way I want? And I might say, hey, let's do a breakfast potluck instead of this after school thing we were planning and let's, or let's meet at the park. And so if things aren't, if you feel like you're kind of in a dynamic that you don't like, like ask yourself, would it be more fun? Would I actually like to host something or to organize something? And I've had times where I've organized something with moms and kids, a play date or like a party where I'm like, Oh, that I actually like did what I wanted because I took the reins. And I think for me, it's not, I'm not a party planner by nature. So it takes me a while to get there. I'm like, why don't I create the social dynamic that I want. So um, if you're not an organizer, you might, you know, kind of challenge yourself to think, is there a way I could do a play date that would be perfect for me and be the organizer, see how that feels. Um, I have one, one last thing as well. And this is something that kind of took me until pretty recently to figure out what was going on. Um, I'm extroverted and I've always been someone, well, prior to having kids, which has been almost my entire adult life, but prior to having kids, I was always someone who had a few close friends, but lots of acquaintances. So mm-hmm. I would, I would see lots of people throughout a typical day and I would be just kind of immersed in like a lot of different social, um, you know, social interactions. And what I realized finally, what trying to replicate that in my life as a mom of little kids, it just mm-hmm. didn't work. I really had to kind of put aside that idea that I was going to be more of that social butterfly for a while and really focus in on like two or three good friendships because I was finding, and, and those were easy for me to manage with little kids. Like those, mm-hmm. I never had a hard time finding a way to get together with like a friend or right. two friends and their kids. That was always fine. It was when it started to kind of blow up. It was just too much for me. Like I, yeah. I got too disorganized about it. It was like my brain, it was like too much stimulation or feedback or something. Mm-hmm. And I finally just realized now, you know, everyone else gets to benefit from me just realizing this. Now that I'm kind of coming out of that, I can look back and say, oh, that was just my kind of introverted season of life. Like, and I remember questioning myself, am I really an extrovert? Maybe I've been introverted this whole time and I just didn't know it. And I think for me, it was all of the external stuff going on. It was too Mm -hmm. much and I had to just kind of focus. And so for me, it was much better to have two friends that I did stuff with than try to balance eight, you know, that for me. So if you're finding yourself in that, it doesn't mean, you know, you won't ever have those fun larger groups of people you hang out with it's maybe right now you just you're kind of triaging you figure out what are you getting the most benefit out of and maybe you just go to the one person that you really connect with and try something just with them I mean that's maybe going to work better for you than trying to keep the big group dynamic going yeah you can get it back later and you know yeah some of those friendships might fall off you know that might just kind of fall off the sidelines and you know that's okay too that happens like friendships going in and out 
throughout your life and you can reconnect with people later or not. You might right. realize that you don't want to. Right. <laughs> That's okay too. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. And the kids will be all right. As the we kids always will be say. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Do your thing. Um, okay. So moving on to a question from Kristen Tanini via email. Um, she asked about what, how does it work when you're at a different spot than your friends are in having kids? I know you and I both have yeah. this experience. Um, she's talked about her husband and I were the first among our friends. They were 27. So was I, no, I was 28, I guess when I had her 27, most of my pregnancy, um, to have a baby and they had twins. So they, they were the first among their friends and they had twins. So they had automatically two kids. Um, their girls are now probably about two and they're considering having a third, which would mean they could have three kids before any of their friends had kids, yeah. which probably is like you, you probably had yeah. three kids before most of your, yeah. um, and yeah. then she said on the opposite end, I worry if we don't have a third, I'll get left behind by the people who kind of catch up and have, you know, have two or three kids. And then now they've decided to stop it too. That's kind of a different, different question about whether or not to have a third. Actually, we have a whole episode about that, but, um, let's talk about how this works when the friends you've had through high school and college and adult life are like at a completely different place than you. Well, I have a lot to say about this. Yeah. I'll try to make it brief. Um, okay. So I was in that exact same position. It, like you said, I did have three kids before almost any of my friends started to have kids. Um, including, you know what I was lucky in that my two best friends from high school had kids relatively young as mm -hmm. compared to a lot of other people. They were both in their, kind of mid to late twenties. Okay. Um, so Jenna, and uh, I think was 27 maybe and Misty was 28. I mean, they both had kids like, um, they both had kids within a reasonable amount of time yeah. <laughs> of me, but I was 20, you know, so yeah. that was still eight years. I, I will say there was some loneliness definitely. Mm -hmm. in, especially in the beginning, um, I had to find other friends. Like I had mm -hmm. to like really work to find other mm -hmm. people who were about my age, who had kids, they're out there. I mean, no matter what age you are, there is somebody out there who, even if it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be exactly your age, but is in your stage of life. Right. When I was right. 20 and living in a one bedroom apartment and a student, I didn't really want to hang out with 35 year old right. moms who lived right. in this awesome suburban right. house and had all the crap together. It, just, right. it was nothing against them. And I did make right. some friends who were in that very different place and it was fine, but I really wanted to be around some other people who were like myself. So, yeah. um, I had to look for that and that was, a combination of internet right. and where I was going to college and right. that kind of thing. Um, right. And then my sister who had kids and was 10 years older than me, that's when we really became close because yeah. she was in a very similar phase of parenting as I was. Um, now what's interesting. And then I kind of hit that middle place, right? Then right around the time Owen was born was around the same time his cousin Jack was born mm -hmm. and my friend Missy's son Henry. So I had like that little trio built in. And then it was almost like I had two sets of kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of which I had a girl, like a really close mom connection with these other women with, and one who I kind of had to just wing it. Mm -hmm. Now the interesting thing is I'm 38. Um, almost everybody in our little small town by my age has had kids. I right. can't think of anyone who's gonna, who hasn't done it. Right. But all of our friends in Chicago are just getting started. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? it is. And there are like a lot of them are a little younger than me, like 34, 35, right. you know, that kind of age but they're just getting started. So yeah. now it's kind of funny. We're looking at, we're so far beyond that now. And yeah. we're looking at our friends who we'd like to go hang out and have a great yeah. time in the city. We're like, Oh man, in a couple of years, they're all going to have kids and then no one's yeah. going to want to do anything. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't know. That was like a long ramble. No, but I, I feel like, I feel like no matter what you might be out of sync, I guess if I had to sum right. it all up, no matter what you might be out of sync. And also, I also want to just say like, I, I feel like nowadays, and I think the next question that you're going to ask is going to also trigger this for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually, so does the last one. There's a different parenting culture, like where we feel like we have to be in the same place as everybody doing everything at the same time. Like this idea that if you don't have yeah. this third baby, you'll be left behind or right. this idea that if you do, then you'll be so far ahead. Yeah. Um, no one can relate, but you're still the same people. Right. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. ages of your, like the kids can deal just because mm -hmm. the kids aren't the same ages doesn't mean the parents all can't get together and not everything has to be so focused on certain ages and right. stages right. and parenting and, and like where you are as a mom or dad. And yeah. this is not a criticism at all of, uh, who, I'm sorry, who was it? Kristen. Yeah, Kristen. 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 No, by no means. Like this is the culture we're in right now. There's yeah. a lot of competitiveness and almost. Competitiveness and like with social media and just like, 
everything's become kind of like standard milestones. And that's sort of built into your young adult life because you graduate high school and then a lot of people graduate college. And then, so everyone is relatively on the same timeline for a long time. And then obviously with having a family, things broaden in terms of that, but I guess it it could be easy to see, feel like there's a timeline that's supposed to happen or whatever. Um, I love what you said about, you know, you're still you Um, and I think this is going to sound kind of like self-helpy maybe, but I think one way to think about it is that like wherever you are, that your friends are not, you have something to offer that friendship that is, um, like a gift or something that they don't. So if you're the one whose kids are older, you have a lot of experience and wisdom to offer. You may also want to go to bed at nine o'clock and they want to stay out late. So there's, um, there's maybe parts that make you feel disconnected to, the in syncness that the friendship used to have, but just maybe try to remember that you are also bringing something to that um, that is something to offer to the relationship. Now, if you're on the other end, like now what I am loving is being the one that doesn't have babies anymore right? <laughs> um, and have a lot of friends who are now either getting started or a few years behind me for sure. Um, and I just feel like I have a lot to offer in that I can, I have more flexibility. Like I'll come to you. Um, you know, it's really important too, you know, you know, and if you're the one who hasn't had kids yet, you, you have a lot to bring to that in terms of like, well, everything you're experiencing that is not related to like diapers and sleep, your friends need that, you know, they need to know what's cool to do around town and what's happening in the news. So I think if you can, um, again, maybe this sounds a little like deep thoughts from Sarah, but if you can remember that the friendship is going to change and it's going to go through times where you're more united and more in sync, but that no matter what, if these are friends that are lifers, and I think we are, and we're talking a lot about friends who you really do want to have with you along the whole journey, you're not, it's not lacking. You're just bringing a different perspective to that relationship at this point in time. Yeah, I could not agree more. And also everything is temporary. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the mom of you know, the, the friend of yours, who's not a mom yet, who has a baby and then kind of just kind of goes into hibernation mode as we all do yeah. for some period of time, that's not going to last forever. So, you know, you might feel, you might feel it for a bit and maybe you'll have to look elsewhere. Or like you said, Sarah, I mean, I have friends who now, you know, we've gotten used to hanging out with them and going out and doing things with them. At the same time, there's been plenty of times that they've just come and hung out at our house with our kids all running around and they don't care. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't care that there's five kids running around the house and we're all just sitting around the counter talking or whatever. So I anticipate when they have kids, bring your kids here. If if it's not a good weekend to go out, if you don't have a sitter, if that's not, you know, plausible for whatever reason, come here and we'll still have a good time and we'll still be friends. It's, it's yeah. it doesn't necessarily, in fact, sometimes I think having the ages off a little bit like that mm-hmm. can really be great because it's a little less chaotic. Um, yeah. if someone brought a baby or toddler here, that's one baby or toddler. Yeah. Um, that's not the same as having three running around right. and right. there's older kids to help out. Right. And all that kind of thing. I also like kind of being the example of uh, like you were saying, you know, what you bring. I really like being the example of someone, our younger, singular mm-hmm. friends, or at least not yet having kids friends, see as people who had kids and still do stuff. Yeah. And that's like, they'll say, well, you guys still do stuff. It's almost like we're yeah. an inspiration. Like, you know, well, yeah, I you're, enjoy showing, that. you're showing like the full spectrum of how this arc goes. Right. Um, this week I had like a quickie getaway and I was with two high school friends one of whom and I had our first babies nine days apart. We were living in different states, but we discovered we were pregnant and, you know, spent our whole pregnancy calling each other and um, had our first. And we were definitely the first of everyone we knew. Um, And then the other friend didn't have her first baby for more than five years after that. So there was like a five-year gap where I'm sure as a threesome, we were not talking all the time. You know, my one friend Sarah and I had a lot more to talk about for five years than we did with Erica. Yeah. But we were together this week and we, we didn't, the threesome didn't suffer for that. Does that make right. sense? Like yeah, no, totally. it all, it all comes back. She's got two little kids now. Sarah and I were able to leave our kids at home, come snuggle her babies. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it all, it all like comes back around. It's great. So I guess what I would say to Kristen is, you know, do you do, you do what works for you and where you are in your life and, and you know, where you your family's life is and not, 
necessarily try to make it fit around what other people are doing because there's really no way to do that anyway. And just radically trust that those great friendships will be there. They're going to change, but they will be there and they'll still be fun. They'll be, they'll just, they'll just be different. And at some point everyone will be on the other side of it. Yeah. And that's when we'll all be retiring, you know, like golden girls or whatever. So this is just, it's, it's, it's a long blip, but it is a blip. Yep. (laughs) So, yep. Yep. Oh man. Okay. Well, I think we have time for one more. We've actually, we've stayed on track. Good job us. Um, so this is from Kelsey and Kelsey sent this, um, via Facebook message. You guys can find us on Facebook, um, search for the mom hour on Facebook and you should find us. We are still at facebook.com slash happiest home which I think can throw you off, but you should be able to find us. And Kelsey sent this in via Facebook. Um, So she has her first baby's almost one. And she said they've spent the last year going to first birthday parties that I'm going to paraphrase are just totally not her thing. Like big affairs (laughs) where the one-year-old doesn't care and is just like staring at everyone, wondering what's happening. And there's a lot of presents and a lot of hoopla. And she's looking ahead to this first baby's first birthday and not wanting to do that, but kind of feeling a little bit of peer pressure and specifically feeling like she she doesn't want to make people feel like she's poo-pooing their big parties if she doesn't do that. And I can relate to that a little bit. Anytime you say, we're not doing the big party thing, especially in new motherhood, it's easy for people to hear, well, you, I had this giant party, so you must be judging me. I mean, I, yeah. that's there. Whether we admit it or not, there's always a little bit of that there. So she's she doesn't want anybody to feel bad like we're not doing a big party. Thanks for inviting us to yours, but we're not doing that and not have they, have not having that come across as curmudgeonly or judgmental. Um, and so I guess her question for us is how did we handle birthday parties when the kids were little? How does that kind of change? And how do you stick to what you want without, um, you know, how do you go against the grain comfortably, I guess? Sarah, before we launch into our advice portion, can I just have a little moment to rant? Oh, obviously. <laughs> okay, thank you. Rant alert, rant, rant warning. It's, it's probably going to be a gentle rant as I do. Okay. But um, so John and I, as I just said in the last question, answer session, have several friends who don't have kids yet and who are either um, married or partnered, like they're in their 30s and they're, you know, their lives are settled and stable and all that kind of stuff, but they aren't having kids just yet. Right. And... I cannot tell you how many times we've tried to set something up with these friends of ours and it's not us. It's not, we're not the ones that are too busy. They're too busy because they're going to some baby's first freaking birthday party every weekend. And finally I went to my friend Lisa and I said, Lisa, I have to ask you, why are you going to all these baby's birthday parties? Like, I don't want to be that person. I just feel like who could possibly know this many babies that well? Especially if you're in a friend circle. It's not like it's your niece or your, right, right, you know, like. What I kind of realized looking, taking a, like a, a longer step back and a broader view, I guess, is that the baby's first birthday party is just now one of many sort of required yeah. parties and celebrations that happen through the entire phase. So, right. you know, we know people, we don't actually know anyone right now who's engaged, but we know people who know people who are engaged. Right. And right. you don't just do one shower anymore. Right. You don't just do right. one bachelorette party. Right. It's like you're giving up, right. you know, four or five or six weekends to right. celebrate this upcoming wedding. Right. So it's kind of like an extension of that. Yeah. So I think for me, because I'm not really a millennial, I'm sort of on the cusp of Gen X. I don't know. I'm so, somewhere in a weird spot in between. I think I'm yeah, technically a millennial, but I have much more. I have I think my, we both are. Actually, I yeah. think I am like as on the cusp as you get. I'm okay. right at the beginning of 1980, very beginning of 1980. I think. Depends on what, it depends yeah. on what's calendar you look anyway, at. Anyway, we're not some, millennials because we're not we millennials. have kids up to age 18. That, that does not. And that's the thing. I think for me, like the people I hang out with are, tend to be millennials or more millennial uh, behavior in, yeah, culturally, right? Yeah. And I'm sort of someone who's on the cusp age-wise, but I do not identify. Like, yeah. so I'm like, I'm kind of having, I get really grumpy about it sometimes. <laughs> So that's just that I'm just giving you kind of where I'm coming from as a warning <laughs> because my advice sounds super simple to me and it's just like, don't do it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you don't have to make anyone feel bad about it because there's a lot of things that they'll do that you won't do. Right. And I honestly think people will thank you for it. Yes. Maybe not Agreed. out loud. Agreed. But nobody really wants to spend every weekend at a one-year-old's birthday party. I'm right. sorry. Right. It just... 
people have other things going on. And it's again, if it's a niece or your best friend or like, you know, obviously there's reasons why certain parties play in. But if it's just someone who you got on their invite list just because you did, you know, maybe because they went to your wedding or maybe you went to their wedding or maybe you were best friends in college or whatever reason, you're on the list now. Right. And I think at some point you have to start making some hard choices and maybe they're not even that hard. Right. But about which events you go to and why. Right. Right. And then that kind of also can help you decide what you're going to do for your own kids, which right. I always think should be what exactly what you want. And right. um, the people who are closest to you will get it. And the right. people who aren't that close to you might just be relieved. Yeah. They don't have to go to another party. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Am I, I, am I the, I'm a curmudgeon here? Yeah, Maybe but they're... you're a justifiable curmudgeon. <laughs> and I okay. agree that this is completely a cultural shift in the last, you know, five to ten years. Yeah. Um. But I will say first on a broad note, like in general, I think, Kelsey, when you start practicing making decisions for your family based on what you feel in your gut is right and just start practicing, just do it. If it's about a birthday party, do it. If it's about where you sleep or where your baby sleeps, just do it. All those little things that you practice because it doesn't go away. You keep, you, you will keep being presented with opportunities to go against the grain. And I'm not even like a counterculture person at all. I'm, I'm very like mainstream in so many ways, but let me tell you, it feels good. And it feels, you feel really good about it when you can, especially if you're aligned with your spouse and you can make decisions and you're looking at each other and you'll be like, yeah, we're not doing that. And everyone else on our street is, and it's just not for us. So I'm just like giving you kind of like a virtual fist bump to like, start practicing that skill now because it's a great skill to have. And it's not going to, it's not like that will, those opportunities will go away. They will always be presenting themselves to you. Um, with birthday parties, uh, the other thing I want to say is I think we can give ourselves permission to not jump into one camp and stay there. I kind of like felt for a while, like I was the person who did really low key, like, let's meet at a park and hand out cupcakes to our little playgroup friends. That's what we did a lot. And I kind of was like, I'm not even calling this as a party. Let's just, you know, meet at the park and I'll buy grocery store cupcakes. And I had a little bit of like a chip on my shoulder about like, I wasn't the mom who was going to do themed birthday parties. But I think that that's not really necessary or fair to yourself. I think you and I have talked about this a lot on the show, Megan, that you go in and out of like, where you are in your bandwidth for those types of things. And some years you may want to be the mom who throws a big party. So I guess I'm just saying, give yourself permission to like make it a year by year and a birthday by birthday decision. Um, I've had years where I did more come to the house and play in the backyard parties and they were bigger with a lot of kids. And sometimes there was even a theme. Like one year I did a garden theme and we made the little dirt cake with the gummy worms and like a fake flower in little cups. And it was so cute. And I was like, nailing it, you know, (laughs) themed birthday party, which I wouldn't put myself in that camp in general. But like, I think sometimes we feel like we, we like identify as one type or another, and then you have to stick to it no matter what. And not every decision we make has to be some statement about every decision we're going to make forever. Exactly. It's so, and if your kid only has one one, thing, but maybe in a couple of years that will seem really fun, you know? Um, and if your kid only ever has one blowout birthday party, that's great too. Like they don't need, it's not like you have to follow it up with another one or you're getting yourself in, you know, you're like obligating yourself going forward. It's just do what works for you right now. Do what works for you right now. Completely. And remember too, that a kid, what we think of as a party, because we see a lot of images on Pinterest and social media, what we, uh, define as a party is very different from what children, including like, I would say older children up to a certain age, define as a party. So you can call it a party and it may be like in your driveway, handing out popsicles and singing happy birthday. So don't, don't, if your kid, this is more, Kelsey's has a one-year-old, but I'm talking about when you get to like three, four, five, six-year-olds, if they say, I want a birthday party with my friends, instead of being like, oh crap, I have to invite the whole class and rent out the bowling alley. You can be like, great, here's how it's going to work, you know? So yeah. just remember that your kids do not have the preconceived notion of parties that we do having seen like TV shows about yep. those $50,000 parties. So you could be a great mom and say yes to a birthday party and it can look very, very simple. Um, so I think that's another thing to remember. Yeah, those are really good points. And I, I want to say something about the peer pressure. Um, uh-huh. 
especially for a one-year-old. I mean, it's not like it's going to go away. Right. <laughs> Sorry to say, right. but I think especially for a one-year-old, it's really easy for you to, it would be very easy for you to come up with an out mm-hmm. that doesn't even beg the question, why didn't you have a party? I mean, it yeah. could be, we're going to, we're going to celebrate her first birthday party at grandma and grandpa's. We're yeah. going to go do this, this year. Most people are not even going to realize your kid turned one. And it's right. not like anyone's going to be like, oh, so I saw, you know, on Facebook that right. your kid was eating a cupcake right. and what, what, why wasn't there a party? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really think that that necessarily um, is as big of a thing as we blow it up to be. And right. I'm not trying to diminish it at all. I just think right. that most people are busy going about their lives and aren't probably thinking very hard about what you're doing for your kid's first right. birthday. Right. Um, and there's lots of outs. If you just want to kind of get through this first one without having to think about it too hard, there's lots of ways to just manage that without really having to make a statement about it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, I think that to your point, Sarah, about not being that mom or being that mom and, whether or not you are consistently year after year, the person who throws the big party or doesn't, I think we all need to. And I think given time, we all will and do take a step back from this idea that because someone's doing something, we all have to do it. And that takes some of the specialness away. I, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of a family in our area whose kids uh, have birthdays that fall really close to Halloween. Mm-hmm. So they have like this huge pumpkin party every year. They invite all of the kids in their kids' grades. So that's a lot, I mean, not just their class, but their grades. So that's wow. a lot of kids and it's out, you know, they have living in the country and they have a pumpkin patch and it right. just becomes this big thing. Um, at no point does any other parent say, gosh, so I guess I should be having a harvest party right. next weekend. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's not a peer pressure thing because it's their thing. Right. And no one expects it to be anybody else's thing. I right. love that we can go to their party and right. not have to do our own. It's fantastic. Right. Right. So I think that there's no matter where you fall on that scale of like, you're the one who does it every year. You're the one who never does it. You're the one who sometimes does it. There's a place for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're just confident about it, mm-hmm. um, I, I, do, I think that we all kind of accept. I think in theory, I'd like to think in, in practice, we all accept what everybody else is doing and where everyone else is at. And if maybe your group of moms that you're with aren't there yet, I think they'll mm-hmm. get there. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. my very roundabout way of getting no, to actually, the point. No, <laughs> actually, that is so true. And I don't think that had been said explicitly before. But in that first year, it, there it is like hive mind a little bit, especially yeah. if you find your tribe. And I found my tribe early too. And I loved my tribe and I trusted them. So it was very easy for us to like, I'm making hand motions right now that you can't see, but like to move around in that like a cartoonish little pack. Yeah. Um, and the differences between us were very small and, you know, on the surface. But we really... so. Uh, that was a great feeling to have, but it did. It, it's easy for that to feel like everyone's doing the exact same thing. As the kids get older, when you start making choices about school and everything, like parenting yeah. and th- those differences, there's so many more of them, and they get so much wider. It's less scary to step outside the flock, yes. I guess. But and I everybody really, everybody gets a little more confidence, and everybody realizes exactly. they're all doing things differently, and so people exactly. just stop paying attention and but, caring. But the, I, I relate to how that feels when you are in that flock, even if it's a really great supportive flock. It right. just feels weird to do mm-hmm. something different. So be weird, Kelsey. Be weird. <laughs> We're rooting for you. That you feel like. <laughs> and happy birthday. Happy for, first birthdays are so much fun. I almost feel like that's another argument for doing it small and family is because yeah. it's a very like reflective, sweet time. And planning Agreed. a big party potentially could take away from that. Maybe not, but depending on your style. Yeah. Agreed. So, well, I, I loved this. This was yeah, so too. much this was really fun. fun. Um, it, again, just to recap how you can reach out to us with questions like this, um, we are hello at themomhour.com. That's probably the best way just because I, I know where those emails are at all times. But um, Facebook is fine, either posting to our wall or sending us a message. Twitter and Instagram, we're at the mom hour. And what I've started doing on Saturdays is kind of posting a call for questions. So there's always, if you scroll through Facebook or Instagram, you can just find the most recent time where I say, hey, everybody, like, hit us with your questions. You can leave them there. So any way you know to find us, we will see those questions. And it may take us a while. We may lump them in with some other similar ideas to create a full episode. But it's really fun to hear from you guys. We love it. It's why we're here. 
It's why it we're here. It makes my day. Every time we get an email or a comment, it makes my day. I know. It's awesome. Please make my day. <laughs> Megan needs you. I need Megan. you to make my day for me. Megan <laughs> needs you to send her email. Um, so happy March. I think when this airs, it'll be March yeah, 1st. it'll be March 1st. Um, go check out the show notes at themomhour.com. Look for episode 41. And um, thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the mom hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the mom hour just above the play button. And then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.